Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. They never will bring you there everyone this is Fran Lewis this is MJ Network MJ in memory of my sister Marsha Joyce and this is going to be so much fun Mubumbai based teenager is going nuts with Vina her controlling single mother who prevents her from stalking her pop idol Ali Zafar Vina wants her daughter to date real guys in the lead-up to finding a husband. Oh, my goodness. But Leah decides that the only way to get her mom off her back is by finding a boyfriend for her instead. That's so cool. With the help of her best friend, Yupali, her crush, Dev, and her mother's best friend, Malika, they try to come up with a plan. And the coolest thing is they're going to use a dating app. So good morning and welcome to MJ Network. This is going to be fun. Hello? Hi, good morning. Good morning. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that was a cue for me. Good morning. No, no. I'm you know Anita. what it is? So, sometimes <laughs> the sound goes off and I'm saying, oh, God, not today. So tell us a little <laughs> summary about the book and tell us how it relates to your family in Mumbai because that, that's important for people to understand. This is really happening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the book is uh, what can I say? It's why a comedy. It's really laugh out loud material, if there was any. Um, and uh, the book is complete fiction. I mean, of course, you know, when you write fiction, you look at the world around you and you think, okay, you know, who is it that inspires my characters, my themes, my settings? And you pull from sort of bits of real life. So I grew up in Mumbai. Uh, I spent my teenage years in Mumbai very much. So there's, there's you know, for, for people who would know me or people of sort of my mm-hmm. vintage, they, they would recognize these, like, references, if you will, <laughs> you know. Um, and... <clears throat> I've always thought that, you know, comedy is just something that we have in our everyday life. The tragedy that exists is comedy, you know. <laughs> the seriousness, the, the, all of the tense situations, you know, actually, once you sort of look back at them, it's like they're hilarious, it, you know, the storytelling of it, once you talk about it. And that's sort of what inspired me to actually, you know, write this book. I wanted... If I was going to write young adult, I wanted to do young adult the way I understood it. So it was uh, in Mumbai, which is where the story is set. And in my family, do we have very strong and feisty and difficult and funny and lovable female characters? Yes. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I have a very strong mother, a very strong daughter. And oftentimes I will say, I just feel like sandwiched between these two generations of women who 
are so opinionated and Mm -hmm. so obsessive about their opinion that I feel like, oh, you know, if I can sort of uh, find a corner somewhere in the room and hide away, maybe, you know, I'll survive. (laughs) So, um, I... So lots of inspiration, yeah. I get you. Trust me. <laughs> but my mom, like I said, has a lot. Had a lot of opinions, and then the the guy would walk in, and my dad would be sitting there, and he had his questions to ask him before um, I went out. And when I came home, he would say to the guy, "Did you ask her for another date?" And if he said no, well, it's time for you to leave. It was hilarious. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 So everybody a lot has of people- a. Go on. Oh, sorry. Now, I was going to say a lot of people, you know, when they talk about when you were dating and who you were dating, and in my family situation, I was not allowed to date. I mean, dating was not, mm-hmm. there was no such thing, or, you know, it didn't exist for me. So uh, I have to say, and I was not the only one, and then there was this, you know, whole slew of other people who, who clearly were allowed to date, or so it appeared <laughs> to me. Right, so there was a lot of sort of sneaking around, trying to sort of, you know, figure out how you were going to bend the rules, so to speak. But you know, when it came to a guy that they wanted me to meet, they didn't use the word dating, but they were like, absolutely, go for that guy. And I'm like, you know, this is so double standard. All these years, you you, you don't allow me to see any boy, and now suddenly you want me to go after. Who is this weirdo? You know, that was my parents. <laughs> no, I I know, and I just read a really sad book, just the opposite of this, where this girl at sixteen. I'm going to interview her uh, in May. I cried when I read the book because she was sold to this family at sixteen, and what she went through because it was an arranged marriage was horrible. So at least, mm. the, I mean, everybody has a teenage idol. You know, everybody is a singer on television. Oh, I wish I could meet him. I want to meet him. So she was obsessed with this pop idol. And then her mother said, you're not going to the concert. So why does she get upset? And she feared, well, too bad. What did she decide to do? I thought that was great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. So Ila is obsessed with Ali Zafar, who is a popular Pakistani singer and actor. Very good looking. And there's a particular mm. video uh, of one of his songs, which really sort of inspires the ideal of Ila. You know, it, it's this uh, uh, a song of his called Vodekne Me. And if you watch it on YouTube, because it's out there, there's a girl portrayed in the video who, to me, was very much Ila. She's sort of feisty. She's intellectual. She's fun. She likes books. She likes reading. She's a little bit stubborn, and to me, that was Ila. Now, um, Ila has decided that, you know, my mother doesn't allow me to date, okay, so, uh, or date the people that I would want to, so there really isn't any purpose of dating. Anyway, I don't care. Ila is very, you know, she, she will make good of any situation. So she's defensive about this, and she's mm-hmm. like, you know, forget that, because I'm not really interested in, Guys, anyway, I'm interested in Ali Zafar and, and what Ila wants, Ila will go get. Mom, um, mm. Vina knows this. She knows how tenacious her daughter is, and it honestly worries her. 
there is a backstory here. Mom, when she was young, she was equally obsessive about her own pop idol. In her day, it was George Michael, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in the 80s. And she tenaciously went after him, found him in England, met him, took pictures with him, were then published in local tabloids and so forth. So she knows, you know, how tenacious she and her progeny, her daughter, Ina, could be. And that worries her a little bit because times are different now. And, you know, if Ila is as obsessive about Ali Zafar uh, as she is, then maybe she will never set her sights on a real guy who, hello, I know she's 17 and she's a little young, but in India, you know, once you hit 20, so once you're in your early 20s, that's a good time to find a life partner. And if she continues being this obsessive, then she's never going to be in the frame of mind to even look for a life partner. So mom feels the need to sort of break her out of this. Ela, of course, is not going to have any of it. She just wants to go after Ali Zafar. But what's interesting is that Ela has a floozy best friend, Dipali, and mom has a floozy best friend, Auntie Malika. Mm. <laughs> it's interesting how these ladies, you know, their lives run a little parallel. And Ila's BFF, Dipali, thinks that, oh, my gosh, Ila, you are wasting your teenage years, you know, going after Ali Zafar. I mean, this is a complete waste. So she also knows how tenacious Ila is and that Ila would never listen to her if she said, hey, you should go date Dave or you should go date anybody else. Um, so she plans it in a sneaky way. Dipali has, purports to have, I should say, uh, three different love interests. Um, whether she does or she doesn't, she actually doesn't, but she just likes to, you know, uh, portray that, if you will. And one of them is Dave, who is not actually her love interest, but is just like posing um, as her third kind of pseudo love interest in a way to get to know Ela. And Dipali sets this up and she says, okay, I will help you find a boyfriend for your mom but you got to take Dave's help. And yeah, and Eli's like, why do I need the help of one of your, you know, love interests? And she's like, oh, no, no, he's, he's really good at, you know, creating these dating profiles and he's good at writing and he wants to apply to Williams College. That's where your mom went. So it's a way for him to get to know her. And, you know, it's all going to work out perfectly. And so she just plans this whole thing in a very sneaky way. And what happens, of course, Hila ends up forgetting about Ali Zafar and she becomes interested in Dave instead, which was Vitali's plan. Now, this this was really cool. Seriously. You, how did you come up? I, I, I actually looked these up to see what they are. And I go like, I'm glad. <laughs> you know, a lot of people when I was growing up, I haven't grown up yet. I decided not to. And um, you used to have what with pay dates. You used to join this um, organization. You paid them a ton of money, and they got you dates. Because they didn't, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't believe in online dating apps. So, yeah, it was even worse. Because then they showed you a picture in a book of the person, and when they mm -hmm. got here, they didn't quite look like that. So you had, what dating apps did you use, and what is the arranged marriage app? That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, backtracking just a little bit, before there were dating apps, there were dating websites. And 
back in the day when I grew up as a teen in Mumbai, there was no such thing as the internet. So, you know, Mm. um, but there were definitely matrimonial columns. Okay. And I just want to talk about that just for a little bit because matrimonial columns Mm -hmm. were essentially ads in the newspaper, in the local newspaper, um, saying, hey, looking for a girl. And they were always for the purpose of so-called matrimony, marriage, right? Looking for a bride, looking for a... And, you know, it was the kind of thing where, oh, that's just disgusting. Who would do that? The truth is that a lot of people did it as just as a way to get out of the house and to go Mm. meet a guy and it didn't always work out. Oftentimes it didn't because those ads were placed by parents of guys or girls or, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So often it didn't work out. But there were some people who would try it, try it out. So come, you know, the day of dating websites and then eventually dating apps, uh, it occurred to me that, hey, we always kind of have this system, if you will. But, uh, of course, it hasn't been as... Um, what should I say, democratic, <laughs> you know, in a way that you can get on an app or get on a dating website and, and choose it yourself, choose the partner yourself. Um, so before there were dating apps, there was definitely an, um, a website called arrangedmarriage.com. And it was <laughs> supposed to be sort of an online version of, you know, those old matrimonial columns, but clearly people would sort of go on, and it wasn't the parents here, and it was actually the people themselves, guys, girls, whatever, um, to go find a partner, but not to get married to, just, you know, to go date, to go have fun with and have a good time with, and, you know, something is going to lead somewhere, okay, sure, maybe, but most of the time, that wasn't the intention. So, uh, and then that sort of evolved into Tinder, Bumble, um, grinder, you know, mm-hmm. all of the dating apps that you have today, the whole swipe right, swipe left scenario, <laughs> which um, honestly, when I, when I look at some of the, and I feel like I've missed out on this because, you know, I, I have you know, this husband and two kids and a dog, very domesticated situation. But when I watch the kids on the dating apps, it's like swipe, 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 swipe. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. You didn't even give that person a chance. It's just like slow down a bit, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely, though, went onto these dating apps, created profiles to see who was out there, to see what you could find, and to see for a middle-aged woman who would be mom, Vina, in my story, Um, who were the kind of guys that would respond, the kind of guys, the kind of girls, to be honest, um, the kind of people that would respond. So I did have fun with that and felt a little bit guilty because uh, I wasn't actually going to date. You never, I always tell my husband, you never know, though. (laughs) Well, you got to be careful with these online things because I do know from people that have tried them, and sometimes the person that is writing all of this and their bio is really not their person. And I learned exactly. a long time ago, with a blind date, never meet them where you live and don't tell them where you live. Meet them at a restaurant, even if you have to take a cab. It's, it's, a, it's a lot safer than having somebody pick you up at your house that you never met before. And trust me, I do know this. <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> so this is, this is interesting. Uh, tell us about Punjas and their customs, and this word fit me very well. What is the significance of fat or fatness as the Punju curse? Because I, I can identify with that when I was a kid. Um, yep, 
Fran, I'm so glad you raised this because, um, okay, <clears throat> Punjabis, Northern Indians from the state of mm-hmm. Punjab, and this is where my characters are from. And growing up in Mumbai, I mean, of, of, Mumbai is kind of like New York City. It is mm-hmm. a city that has all the different ethnicities of India who have emigrated from various parts of India to sort of, uh, cash in on the Mumbai life, if you will. It's a commercial capital, a very dynamic city. A lot of people come here to sort of make their living and um, so on, right? So the mm-hmm. Punjabi community is known to be the community that is a little bit heavier in stature. They've got sort of more padding, so to speak. Um, and if you go to Punjab or if you go to North India and, and you speak with this community, they actually look down upon the fact, you know, the whole diet culture and the whole I must be skinny and in shape. And I, mm-hmm. they actually look down upon it. I mean, I would have sort of my grandmother, my mother even, and just kind of every relative of that generation, all the aunties and stuff like that, really be like looking at me disdainfully. It's like, What's wrong with you? You're not healthy. Mm-hmm. Healthy means you're too skinny. It's like you don't have you don't have any flesh on your bones. This is ridiculous. It's, now in Mumbai, the flip side of this is if you go uh, sign up for a yoga training, yoga works a little differently in Mumbai. It's not like you can't just take a free class in a studio. It's you have to mm-hmm. actually sign up for a thirty day program training program or a 40-day training program. So if you go up to Kevalia Dham and you sign up for a program, they take your measurements. Mm. Um, it's not a weight loss thing, but that's part of the intake is they'll take your measurements, they'll take your weight, they'll see where you are starting. And if you are, let's say, a little bit overweight, okay, if you are Punjabi, they will give you something ridiculous like two kilos, two kilograms extra allowance. They'll say, oh, you're Punjabi, so that's normal for you. And I went through this as a kid, and Mm -hmm. it always stuck with me. And I was like, oh, my God, just because you're Punjabi and you're heavier, it's like that's normal, you know. So I wanted to sort of weave that in to this story. And, of course, you know, the girls, when they want to get mom set up on this date, they want to get her into shape. So... Uh, they start doing all these things, taking her to a spinning class and trying to get her to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, glam up her wardrobe and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But it's interesting that you mention this because um, I have actually, the two things are happening as a result of this book. One is it's actually been picked up for an audio series. So it's mm-hmm. going to be an audio series, a podcast in English and Spanish. Oh, and nice. That, yeah, exactly. And that's going to be the story as it is. Um, I have also written a screenplay version because there is some interest in potentially, I don't know about this yet, but some interest potentially in having this be uh, produced as a, either a feature or a TV show. Don't know yet. But what's interesting is that this whole idea of the saddlebags and mom losing weight and mom getting into shape for mm-hmm. dating, that doesn't bode well with the whole Hollywood because that's considered fat shaming. 
And that's a comment that came back very interestingly. That no, no, no. She's got to be doing something else to get ready for these dates. Uh, you know, not taking a spinning class to get rid of her saddlebags because that's fat shaming. So I'm very glad you raised this because it you could change it, but it does take away from actually what is true about this culture and the fact that they actually look down. This culture actually looks down on skinny people and the whole diet culture and the whole, you know, that kind of, it's, it's the corollary of what we expect in, in the United States today. Well, I agree with you. You know, I, my mom signed me up for dancing lessons, which I hated. And mm-hmm. my sister and my cousins, there were like 10 of us, and they loved it. Every Saturday morning I tried to get sick. I because I really hated <laughs> dancing lessons because I was overweight and I'm a klutz. And I knew it. Yep. And I couldn't I yep. couldn't do it. And I'm saying, Mom, I'm a concert pianist, I'm a concert violinist, I play the music. Why am I do-? because you have to lose weight. It didn't help. <laughs> because right after dancing school we went to this restaurant for lunch. And I don't eat French fries or anything. I'm hundred and three pounds now and I don't eat that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now this was it. Right. Tell us about the foods, the drinks, and the treats. I, I have no idea what they are, but they sounded so good that, that you yes. put into your book. Yes, absolutely. Well, the book is set in Mumbai, and I think my favorite, favorite part of, I don't know, growing up in Mumbai and still being in Mumbai even today is its street food culture. And uh, it's street food culture is not, we call it junk food, but it's anything but junky. It's pretty nutritious. <laughs> and it <laughs> tastes delectable. Um, and it really is a mix of different things. So, you know, there are references to bhel puri and sev puri and um, funky and swati snacks. Swati snacks is this local vegetarian um, eatery. They call them from an eatery as opposed to a restaurant because um, it's like this bustling canteen almost where, you know, people go, you, you go in, you go out, you go in, you go out. And there's always lines around it because it's, it's all vegetarian food, but it is absolutely delectable. Everything fresh mm. made with chutneys and spices. And so the flavor of one thing to the next, I mean, there's no standard. It's just a, a culinary um, dream really <laughs> flavorful a culinary dream and I had to feature these places um, in my I felt like I had to feature these places in my story because they are so iconic you know to Mumbai icons of Mumbai and in many ways this story although it's about Ila and um, her mom Veena and you know how their friends Auntie Malika and Dipali and, and of course JJ and Dave. It's about them and it's about their adventures, no doubt. But it's very much a window into contemporary Mumbai, right? Um, yeah. So all of the set pieces take place at these iconic locations, the Gateway of India and the other Farsi colonies, Swati snacks, etc., And so I felt that, you know, for somebody who travels, and when you talk about travel literature, um, you need something fun and light and engaging to read on a plane or on a beach or wherever you're traveling to. 
um, and something that really takes you into the world of the story. Um, and that was my intention in including all of those different kinds of foods, the, you know, the eateries, the restaurants, and, and locations, so that you really get an understanding of what exists in Mumbai today, so that hopefully if you get on a plane and you go there, um, you've got your itinerary laid out to you already. <laughs> well, this is, this, is, this is the fun part. This is really what got me. The next four questions yeah. <laughs> together. Um, <laughs> when when you go out on a date and you create to create you created a dialogue between the men and Ilya and Vina, and I, I love mm-hmm. Andy Malika. I could have used her myself, and yeah. Jaggy <laughs> and Vic. I mean, my my mother literally wrote down what I was allowed to say and not allowed to say, and the dialogue. Mm. This was this cracked me up because. Auntie Malika had more of a contemporary attitude, and she was fun. Yep. And yep. I had an yep. aunt like that, but you know everybody listened to my mom. I don't know why. So how did you yep. create a dialogue? And who is Jaggy? And who is Vic? And then you inve- yep. did you invent it? So this is true. The survivalist singles. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Auntie Malika is mom's bluesy best friend. And she definitely has more of, I like the way you put it, a contemporary sort of uh, Mm -hmm. look on life, if you will. Now, she and Vina have grown up together, and so they've been sort of badass teenagers together themselves. So she knows that Vina has a wild streak. And it may not even be as wild as, you know, but just like, let's say, more of a free spirit, right? But... What has happened is over the years, she's seen Vina sort of fall into domesticity, right? She got married, she had mm. kids, she's con- constrained, because in Auntie Malika's views, it is constrained uh, by the sort of values and rules and, you know, that exist in her Punjabi community and, you know, that kind of thing. And then she's also seen how some of that has, not all of that has worked out for Vina, right? So she is separated mm-hmm. from JJ. Um, and they may not be actually divorced, but Vina and JJ are definitely separated. Vina is definitely single. Uh, they definitely get along because they co-parent Ila uh, still. Um, but she... Uh, but she doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to be with JJ. She sort of had enough of that. So Auntie Malika sees that, recognizes it, and um, knows that there is more to Vina than being mm-hmm. this obsessive single mother because she has, she has seen her be that wonderful wild free spirit in her younger days and in her freer days. Right, so mm-hmm. um, she wants to get Vina out of that mindset, and she's like, "This is not the real Vina. I want to get her out of that mindset. This is a fun woman. This is a woman who loves flamenco dancing. This is a woman who is, you know, has always had her free spirit unleashed. So, you know, she should not be shackled by these norms of society and norms of community and." rules and regulations that in some ways she's just like 
even brought upon herself by buying into this whole system of domesticity, right? Okay, sure, she has a daughter and she can raise a daughter, but, you know, why is she so obsessive? And she was, you know, she's become obsessive because of all this kind of stuff. She was obsessive about her husband while he was in the marriage. Now she's obsessive about her daughter. Just live and let live, Vina, you know. So um, that is Auntie Malika's influence on Zina. So she very much endorses this idea that Ila uh, has about setting mom up, you know, uh, so she can go live a little and go enjoy life a little. And, you know, Auntie Malika is very wild herself. So she's like out there. She's never been, you know, tied down by a particular long-term partner. So she has a lot of fun with life. And, you know, we see some of that, you know, behavior sort of characteristic in, in the story. Um, and then your other question was about survivalist singles. This was actually a dating yeah. site, uh, not, not mm. a dating app, but it was a dating website that actually I don't think ex- exists anymore, but it did exist for a while. And it was literally about, uh, about for and of individuals who are trying to find partners to mm. survive with doomsdayers you know, in case the Holocaust hit or the Mayan apocalypse hit or, you know, something like, something that would bring the world to an end. (laughs) How are we going to survive? And, you know, that's the kind of partner I want. It was quite ridiculous. But, of course, I was fascinated and intrigued by the fact that it actually existed. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to investigate this. And this somehow has to be part of the story. (laughs) Well, this part got me because... Uh, my my sister would do this, and this is hilarious. Mm-hmm. On page seventy to seventy one, they have the prospects, and they have to figure out how you get rid of them if they don't want them. So that was hilarious. <laughs> and tell us about how now we found out. Now she had her obsession, but mom had George Michael. Yes. So yes, that, that you included the fact that mom, her mother, was obsessed with George Michael when she was younger. So how do you eliminate them, and how did you create the timeline in each day's events? That was great. My mother would do that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, truth be told, that George Michael incident, anecdote, example, whatever you want to call it, is almost cut and paste from true life into this story. Oh, wow literally cut and paste. That happened to me. I was completely in love with George Michael, completely obsessive about George Michael. (laughs) No amount of people telling me when I was 16, 17 years old that this man is not interested in women. I would just not listen to it. I would take that as a personal affront. I was like, you don't know anything. (laughs) You know, I will change George Michael. I, I had this ridiculous, you know, and I lived in Mumbai, so um, there was an opportunity one year for me to go to England for the summer, and my mother, as we've discussed, you know, wouldn't allow me to go anywhere, do anything. So I completely, you know, lied to her, said I was in the library across the street, sort of doing research for school or something like that, and I had done all of this research through the... English news agents, which are on every corner of London, because there was no internet in those days. Um, 
through the various pop magazines and stuff to figure out where he lived. Like it was this town somewhere in the suburbs. Took a train, went there with with a friend of mine. With you know, with a friend of mine. And you know, once we got there, she was like, "Well, what do we do now?" And I was like, "Well, this is the street on which he lives, but I don't know which house it is." She's like, "So what are we gonna do? We're just gonna. I mean, which house do we go to?" And I said, "We." wait. She said, wait for what? And I said, we wait to see which one of these cats go home. Because I had figured out (laughs) that he had a cat and I knew the name of his cat. I don't remember it today, but I had figured out the name of his cat. And so I called to these cats. One of them seemed to respond, or at least in my head, I was like, yes, this cat is responding to me. This is George Michael's cat. So she's like, what are we going to do? I said, we're just going to wait till the cat goes home and then we follow the cat. And that's exactly what we did. And oh God. she thought, yeah, she thought it was so hilarious that she was literally like laughing, cackling out loud in the middle of this cul-de-sac street. And I was like, you're going to create a really bad impression on George Michael and he's going to hate me. You just got to get out of here. Got to get out of here or behave yourself, you know. And um, it was crazy, but it, that actually happened. I followed the cat. I went to this house. I rang the doorbell. I talked to his mother. George Michael's mother and can you imagine the 17 year old me I was just like my heart was like jumping up and down it's like oh my god George Michael's mother and she of course led me all the way back to central London to his management office um, which I would never have been able to have figured out where it was had I not talked to his mother it wasn't in any of the magazines or anything so that journey had to happen and uh, that's how I eventually met George Michael. So that, that story was definitely cut and pasted out of my real life into this book, into this, you know, fictional story. I just had to. And it's, it's funny because I've been interviewed about that, that only and nothing else. And, you know, everybody is always like, oh, my God, you actually did that? How obsessive were you? And I said, well, that's the whole point, right, is Vina. Mm-hmm is so obsessive, Ela finds out, and she's like, oh, mom, you've got no right to be, like, so obsessive, or, or, like, you know, point fingers at me, I should say, for being obsessive about Ali Zafar when you were this obsessive about George Michael. And Vina's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, but, you know, it led me nowhere, and I know that trait, and I don't want to... What Vina wants to do is she's lived her life, she's made her mistakes, she knows her downfalls and pitfalls and all that, that stuff. But like every single mother on the planet, she doesn't want to see those mistakes repeated in her own daughter's life, right? She wants to save mm-hmm. her daughter from all of those mistakes or even if they want like drastic bad mistakes or things, she's, she wants to be there for her daughter she, and, so, and say to her daughter, look, just go by my example and then cut to the chase, you know. It's just like eliminate all this stuff because it's going to take you nowhere. But take this stuff and, it's, you know, you'll be able to get to your goals. But, of course, no daughter wants to hear that from their mother. I mean, that's a completely ridiculous thing, you know, for a mother to – it's reasonable from the mother's perspective to say this to their daughter. But from the daughter's perspective, it's completely ridiculous. And like, why would you shackle me down and not let me live my own life? So that's where Ela is coming from. And well, but what before happens, I forget, let me just announce what's coming up. You can believe this. My, my, I, you yeah. know, when I got your book, I was like, "Oh, this is refreshing," because everything is murder. 
everything uh-huh. is mystery or everything is, you know, historical fiction and go help. And then when I got this, yeah. I didn't know what I was getting. And I was like, oh, thank God somebody sent me something. I'm going to give this to my niece. Because oh, great. I, I, I want, my niece is um, a, a, a singer. And she has four songs, uh-huh. five songs, and five that are dropping. And uh-huh. she was, there was a young guy that was writing her songs, and he just died out of nowhere. Oh. So, um, yeah. And she was oh, obsessed dear. with him. And I said to her, you know, Clark, Clark, you know, there are other people in the world that you need to, I think she should read this. So on yeah. Monday, we have the King of mm-hmm. Horror. New York Times oh. author Vincent Zandri is going to be here to talk about his Moonlight series on the earth, something very important. Nevertheless, and Jeffrey Wells is going to talk about opiates and kids. On the 13th, this is the most exciting show in all the years I've ever done. It's my student. Michael Taylor created a Team um, Spartan Spades for young children that need to get fit and need to lose weight. I need to have workouts. I need to have daily, you know, dieting and stuff like that. Um, Michael was a discipline problem in my school until he met me. He told me, <laughs> and <laughs> it was a t- I taught in a tough school in the Bronx, and he was in somebody else's class. And my friend Tom, who I miss, said, "Here's your problem. Figure out what to do." And we did a whole lot of stuff. And <laughs> Michael's coming on on March 13th to talk about Team Spartan Spades. And on the 20th, we have The Path of Peril author. And the 23rd, we have Joe Day Million, Midnight Call. We have a whole lot more. So uh, I'm excited. So this is a question. This is hilarious. We try to do this for my mother. It didn't help. What about shopping? How do you take your mother shopping for a date? (laughs) And how did you create her profile? And which dating apps do you think are the most, and we'll talk about the guy after, that was that was too much. <laughs> yeah, a lot of questions there, and, and, and difficult to answer, because mom, is there impossible to take shopping? Mm-hmm. You know, she's got a particular mm-hmm. sense of style. She wants to dress traditionally in the saris, mm-hmm. and saris are fine, but, you know, Dipali, who is um, Ila's BFF says, okay, saris are fine, but at least they should be glam saris, you know, contemporary saris. Satyapol. Satyapol was, was the brand that, you know, she references, you know, in the story because Satyapol saris are not your traditional, traditional, you know, Indian style of saris, but they, they kind of look modern. They fall in a certain way that is flattering to the figure and so forth. And she's like, you know, she needs to do this kind of stuff. And but she's like, you know what? She needs to get away from the whole sari thing. And maybe we should go shopping for her at this place called Global Desi. Desi um, means Indian native. You know, it's sort of, sort of the colloquial term for native. Uh, and so Global Desi. So it's kind of, it's not necessarily clothing for the Indian diaspora, but it's kind of a little bit of mix and match Indo-Western kind of thing. And she's like, this is the kind of thing that will really go well for your mom because, you know, she is, you know, she does have that traditional bent, but she's also kind of modern and contemporary or mm-hmm. at least has, you know, the propensity to be. So, you know, that's what we should do. And uh, the girls go to this shopping mall called Phoenix Mills, and uh, that's where Ila actually first saw Ali Zafar as well. 
Um, and that's where the Global Deshi shop is. And if you go to Mumbai, you will actually see this. Phoenix Mills Shopping Mall um, next to the Palladium and the Global Desi store in there. In fact, um, over the holidays, I did an advent calendar, an Operation Mom advent calendar on TikTok, where I, for each day before Christmas, I actually did a little TikTok video uh, mm. about something that inspired you know, some aspect of the story. And I definitely featured a video uh, in Phoenix Mills at the Global Desi showroom. So you could definitely check that out on my TikTok um, if you like, if you have the time. But also to one of your questions earlier on, you were asking about, you know, how do you eliminate these guys? Well, this comes back to this obsessive trait, you know, what mm. I call the O trait, um, in conversation between mom and mm-hmm. Ula towards the end of the story, right? This obsessiveness that mom has, guess what? It exists in her daughter, Ila as well. Because just as mom is obsessive about Ila and Ila plans this whole thing just to get mom off her back, once she gets into this whole idea of setting mom up on a date and screening these guys on these dating apps and stuff like that, she suddenly has a, a piece of insecurity and that is like, well, you know, it's like what you said earlier, friend, you can't always tell what if their profile is fake, what if they're not true to what they, you know, are trying to represent themselves to be on the dating apps, what if they're just too weird? So she decides to go on this series of reconnaissance trips, which are not actual dates, but spy missions. Uh, to check out the guy beforehand. And, of course, she finds fault with every single one. Mm-hmm. This guy is not good enough for my mom. That guy is too much of a weirdo. This guy, no way, Jose, you know. So who has now become obsessive about this whole thing? Ila herself. <laughs> okay, now we have this We have this guy. I have to skip some of these because we're running out, whatever. Um, what is OK Cupid? And who is Dr. Yuva, and what is his role? Yeah. Right. So OkCupid is one of the dating sites that the girls check mm-hmm. out to, uh, uh, you know, they, they scour the site to sort of look for dates, and they set up a, a catfishing profile for Vina, in, and they call her Venus, you know. Uh, the whole idea is that, you know, it should be done in a way that represents her, but in such a way that she doesn't actually find out, have any capacity to find out Mm. herself, either, you know, by snooping around or, you know, through Auntie Malika or anything like that. So um, they set up this dating profile for Zina on OkCupid, and they find this guy, Dr. Yuva Dayalan. Now, Dr. Yuva Dayalan is actually a yoga practitioner, and it turns out that mom is actually already in conversation with this guy, but not um, not with the view of dating him. You know, she's not conversing mm. with him because, you know, she wants to date him. But mom is very much into yoga and Ayurveda and sort of these Indian natural wellness um, modalities. So she has a whole, you know, conversation going with Dr. Yuva about yoga and the different styles of yoga and yoga therapy and, you know, various things yoga, suffice it to say. Mm. 
so uh, Ila finds out about this, and she's like, oh, my gosh. And then this guy is on okay Cupid. So this has to be perfect. This has to be a, a God-sent message. That she's already talking to him. They already have a rapport going, albeit it's different. So, you know, I should see if he would be interested in dating her. And, of course, you know, he, he more than gives those feelers. Now, um, when the girls go to check him out, and Ila thinks that this is going to be perfect because, obviously, like I said, they're already in conversation, so how could it not be perfect? But Yuva, Dr. Yuva, he, he, he's an interesting kind of yoga practitioner because he has created something called the Yoga Championship, which mm-hmm. hosts in... Um, in Mumbai at CCI Stadium, and literally, that's exactly what it is, is a yoga competition, (laughs) you know, where you've got all of these different practitioners from Mumbai, and some from outside of the country, and outside of the city, and outside of the state come in to compete, and Ila finds this absolutely ridiculous, because yoga is not a competitive sport. You know, this is not Mm. football and cricket and gymnastics and whatever. But the whole of the yoga championships, while she and Dipali are there, they see that it is actually more of a yoga display, kind of like a gymnastic display. Um, Until, of course, he invites audience members to participate in a sequence, Mm -hmm. which, you know, Ila shies away from that kind of thing, and she's like, there is no way I'm going to do that. But Nepali, of course, all for it. She's like, no, come on, let's go. Let's go do this, and not let's, not just let's go do it, but let's go do it right from the front seat. You know, we got to stand in front and, you know, check out all of these other people and use our yoga chops to get noticed and, you know. That's Dipali. Dipali is like a mini Auntie Malika. <laughs> but Eva's mm. like, no, no, no. Um, but so that's, in a nutshell, the role of Dr. Yuva Dayalan in the story. He is a pretend, he's a candidate for dating mom, and Ila thinks that, sure, for sure, you know, this one's going to work out because they already have a rapper, and of course it doesn't. <laughs> now, this is the cool part. I know that they sort of, like, stalk DG's people so they would get to know them. Now, when, mm-hmm. when is this guy Raul with his pigeons? And the scenes with the <laughs> pigeons. And then what is Gateway? Because you have time for a few more questions. I mean, I've got a whole bunch more. And then why does mom get upset with her? Because there's a way that a Isham household has to be viewed by a man. Girls have to be viewed a certain way. So who is this Raul and what is Gateway? Right. So the gateway is the gateway of India, which is, again, another iconic location in Mumbai. It is on the sea. It is right across the Taj Mahal Hotel. And mm. it is it is like if you look at postcards of Mumbai, I mean, there's the gateway of India. It's like this um, massive gateway that was built for, um, I think it was King George VI and the Queen to sort of come through as to welcome them when they came to India in whatever year that would have been, <laughs> I think, 1800s. Um, so the gateway of India is, um, there's a lot of pigeons there. You know, it's, it's like Trafalgar Square in England or, um, mm. you know, Washington Square Park in New York, where it's one of these places where the pigeons just cluster and sort of infest the place. And Raul G is this odd 
ball romantic. He calls himself a creative romantic. And that is because he was inspired by a poster of two lovers kissing. There's, actually, there's a poster that exists. It's called The Kiss. And I think it's, this is not, um, it's a poster of a Marine, I think. It's mm. either a U.S. Marine or it's in Paris. I'm not sure. But it's called The Kiss. If you Google it, you'll find it. And um, it's these two lovers, like, you know, you know in, embracing and in this mad sort of passionate kiss. And there are all these pigeons that are flying um, around them. So Raul G was actually inspired by, uh, you know, a poster that was similar to this one in Trafalgar Square where all these pigeons are flying. And his whole take was, or at least what he portrays on his profile is that, these lovers are so passionate and they are so sort of lost in their kiss that they are scaring the pigeons into flight. And that is the, the test and the mark of true undying passion. And that's the kind of partner that I want to find. So it's a little bit of an out there kind of uh, line of thinking or a lot out there, but this is what the guy puts on his profile. And so of course, in order to go find this dream partner of his, he has to go to a place infested with pigeons. And where is that? That's the gateway of India. So every day he goes um, to the gateway and he sort of broods and, you know, he, he shock, talks to these pigeons and then shocks them, mm. into the, shocks them into flight, thinking and hoping that, you know, his partner is just going to walk onto the scene and he's going to find the love of his life. So... Definitely a <laughs> bit of an out there character, but um, Dipali, this is Dipali's idea, right? She's, she's, uh, she's the adventurous one in the duo, in the Ina Dipali duo. So she decides that, you know what, let's get out of our box a little bit. This last guy, Yuva Dayal, and the guy before that says, that didn't work out so well. Let's go try to see, you know, if this creative romantic, you know, this really passionate guy. Uh, is going to be the guy that works out for Vina, your mom. So uh, that's Raul G and uh, the Gateway of India. Now we'll have to wrap up with this because this would this would remind me of something that that my father used to do. My father my father worked in a very uh, after he sold his uh, sold his cleaning store, he worked in one downtown which is really upscale, and he met these people. So he would set me up on blind dates. I wanted to cry. I mean, there were a couple of times I just wanted to call. I mean, really, you have no idea. Some of them that he came up with. And his criteria, money. And my criteria, a lot better than that. And it was like, oh, my God, do I really have to go out with these people? I mean, seriously, how much did you pay them to date me? So she. what happens when we learn about a blind date? And what is this? This was really cool. The fake date with the colonel. How did you create that yeah. at the end? That was really cool. Yeah. So there's this whole farcical scene towards the end mm-hmm. where everything goes wrong. I mean, yeah. that had to happen, right? So mm-hmm. Ela reaches a point where this whole uh, mission of Operation Mom is totally locked. None of the guys have worked out. She cannot find a guy to set up with her mom. It's, the plan is not going to work. 
Dipali is going to go off on her summer vacation. Ila is going to be left without Dipali. Mom's going to be on her case more than ever, you know, mm-hmm. and what is Ila going to do? So she is totally dejected and depressed. So she goes to Auntie Monica for help, and Auntie Monica says, you've been going about this the wrong way. I'm going to now step in and help sort this out. So I'm going to set up your mom on a blind date. But Auntie Malika knows full well that, you know, mom, Vina, is never going to agree to go on a blind date. So she has to be a little bit creative herself. And she says, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to pretend like the blind date is for me and it's a double date situation, right? Mm. So I'm going to pretend... I'm going to set her up on a blind date, but I'm going to say, I have a blind date and I need you to come and support me because you're my best friend and I need an alibi. And so that whole situation is fake, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Actually, she's found this guy, Colonel Junjunuwala, and she's actually set him up with mom. But she knows that mom won't agree. So she says, I've actually got a blind date going and you have to come with me. And then mom's like, what? There is no way. Who am I going to go on a blind date? I mean, on a, you know, if we're going to go for a double date, like who's going to be my partner? And of course, JJ happens to be in the room. And JJ is this, he's always caught in some kind of kerfuffle. And he's like, yeah, I'll go along. You know, it's like, you know, he's, he is quite happy to sort of join in the fun, keep tabs on Dina because he's just, even though they're separated, he's still got his eye on her. And like, what is she doing? Where is she going? You know, and, and who is she with? And we don't know whether it's because he's still interested in her or because it's, he's a little competitive, i.e. she shouldn't find a partner before I do kind of thing. You know, we, that part we don't know. Mm-hmm. But he is willing to go along. And so the four of them go along. You know, there's this evening planned where mom gets dressed for this outing, which she thinks she is supporting Auntie Malika. And she thinks that, you know, her dating partner is JJ, but only as a fake, only because a fourth person was needed, not because Mm. it's an actual date. That's the fake date part of it. And of course, what ensues is that Colonel Junjumwala, who shows up, is the date for mom and mom like totally rejects this, you know, and <laughs> no spoilers. I won't, I won't describe what happens in the scene. Because, no, don't you know, say again, anything. <laughs> no, but okay. suffice it to say everything goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, without saying anybody ending, okay, what is next for you and where could everybody find out more about you and your work? And everybody needs Thank to read you. this because anybody that has a mother like Vina or like mine, you want you want to read this seriously. Yes, absolutely. I strongly suggest it. You know, um, especially if you need to have your funny bones sort of jiggled a bit. You know, and yeah. we all need comedy in our lives. So um, the best place to find about to find out about me and my work is on my website, which is renita.com, R-E-E-N-I-T-A.com. My uh, TikTok and Instagram handles are mm. renita underscore storyteller, R-E-E-N-I-T-A underscore storyteller, all one word. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook, Renita Malhotra Hora on Facebook and on Twitter as Rini Mal, R-E-E-N-Y-M-A-L. But you can find all of those links on my website. 
Um, you can find my other books on my website. You can find my podcasts. I've got two of them on my website. Um, and uh, like I said, Operation Mom is also going to be turned into an audio series. Um, and please get in touch. Stay in touch. Um, I will let you know what's happening with the film version if it actually yeah, ever happens. And yeah, absolutely. And uh, my other books coming out, I've got a fantasy fiction book, I've got a historical fiction love story coming out later this year, or early next year, I'm not sure yet, but like I said, all of that you can find on my website. Thank you. Well, when it comes out, make sure I get it. I was like, you know, it's very rare that I answer when I don't know who the author is. It's re- I'm serious. It's very weird because I get I review for every major publishing company. I don't know how they found me, but they just do. And I'm saying, uh-huh. okay. Then I read read the summary of the book, and I said, I cannot resist this. It's it's so perfect for young adults and young girls and mothers. And yeah, my my mother actually yeah. had a checklist of who I was going to go out with. And like I said. The question and answer. So this is really great. Operation Mom, you've got to read it. Thank you so much for this today. Everybody, it's raining, but don't, don't let that stop you. Everybody have a great day, and thank you, and bye. Thank you, friend. It's been such a pleasure. <laughs>